Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Nate, is this a big day for you and your wife? Yeah, we find out. We find out whether it's blue icing or pink icing, right? Later on today. So that's exciting for them. Be praying for them. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We're in a series right now talking about loving the church that God's building. First of all, I want you to know something about this church. It is not your church. It is his. It is God's church. He is the one who builds his church. If this church is one you're building, it's not his. (laughs) Because he's the one who builds his church. And another point is he's not finished yet. Uh, We can't talk about the work of God through his church without talking about a necessary part of the work. And that is faith. In fact, that's the foundational thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the Bible says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. One Bible dictionary of faith is a constant outlook of trust towards God, whereby human beings abandon all reliance on their own efforts and put their full confidence in Him, His Word, and His promises. That's good enough to read again. Because it's even though it's from a Bible dictionary and not from the Word of God per se, word for word, it's based on biblical teaching. So faith is a constant outlook of trust towards God, whereby human beings abandon all reliance on their own efforts. We had a time of prayer uh, before the service, and anybody who's invited to that, by the way, we usually meet meet about 9.25, somewhere like that, 9.30 maybe, and and Doug, one of the leadership team members, prayed uh, that in the light of uh, the fact that Doug is going to be uh, transferred soon. I don't know if that's a secret. If it is, don't tell him I told you, Um, but he's getting ready to be transferred. He's one one of the key people here at First Baptist Church. We don't trust in ourselves. We don't trust in our own abilities. We don't trust in our own. We trust in a God. So faith is when we abandon all reliance on our own efforts and put our full confidence in him, his word, and his promises. So if you're in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it, that is by faith, the elders obtained a good report, and through it, through faith, We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. The whole universe was created by the words of God and the word of God. In fact, Jesus Christ as the living word was instrumental in all of creation and, and created not out of a bunch of storage and building supplies somewhere, but out of nothingness spoke the universes into existence. Those things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 verse 26 beheld them and said, with, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of, not, of things not seen. With men, things can be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Faith in action is trying to do something so big that if God doesn't do it, and if God's not in it, it's surely going to fail. And when we do things that we can handle, that's no big, doesn't require a lot of faith. And you know, I, I'm I'm going to plan on, uh, you know, after the services are over, I'm going to walk out and get in my van. So it doesn't take a whole lot of faith. Now, I might get run over out here by Gary and his golf cart. I don't know. But, but I mean, the plan is to walk out there and get in my van. It doesn't take a lot, of, a lot of faith for that. But if I'm, going to, if I'm going to really have a big dream and a big goal and a big vision and, and, a, and, and say we're going we're gonna to have 200 people next week, something like that, it's going to take a lot of faith. 
because that's going to be something that God's going to have to be involved in. Uh, faith is necessary to walk boldly and take risks, and, and there are great examples in the Word of God of faith. For example, Abraham was a man of faith. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, God spoke to him and said, I want you to leave everything you've known, everybody you've known. I want you to take your family, and I want you to take off, and, and I'm going to lead you to a place. I'll show you where it is when you get there. He didn't even know where it was going to be. I mean, folks, that takes a lot of faith because it could have been like El Centro. You know what I mean? It could have been somewhere really, really. Oh, somebody may be here from El Centro. Never mind. Moses met with Pharaoh not knowing what's going to happen because, you know, one time, if you read the story of Moses, you'll, you'll remember that God actually, that Pharaoh actually said to him at one time, if I see you again, I'm going to kill you. Do you remember that? If I see you again. I don't even want to see your face. If you show up again, I'm going to kill you. And, and he went back and showed himself to Pharaoh again. That took great faith. Maybe he was going to die. Maybe he wasn't. Can you imagine Elijah? Elijah on Mount Carmel, and, and he's having those 450 false prophets. They're crying out to Baal, their gods, and, and trying to get fire to fall from heaven to consume their sacrifice on this altar. And, and, and after all, you know, several hours, and, and Elijah's sitting over there and saying, hey, maybe he's on a vacation. You need to cry a little bit louder. Maybe he's sleeping, taking a nap. You know, come on. And they were cutting themselves and screaming out to Baal, and nothing happened. And then he gets up there, and the faith that he had, in the midst of a three-year, three-and-a-half-year drought, he said, go get me. And was it, was it three barrels of water? I can't remember. Three, I think. Said, and, and, and pour it on the sacrifice. Pour it on the wood. Pour it on the altar. And I've dug a trench around it. Pour, and, and keep doing it. And go back. And three times they went and filled this, these barrels and poured it on. And the water was in the trench. And the wood was drenched. And the sacrifice was on top of that was drenched. And he sat back, he stood back, and he prayed an 18-second prayer at the rate I pray, and fire fell from heaven. Can you imagine the faith it took for him to do that? We, we read it and go, yeah, that's, that's great, man. Oh, yeah. Whew. Are you kidding? Put yourself in Elijah's shoes or sandals or flip-flops, whatever he wore. Imagine that. Calling down fire. I mean, did that take a little bit of faith or what? Now, I'm going to tell you something. And the first point is this, 68 years of walking by faith. I am uh, 68, going to be 69 if I live through the end of the year. And Ocean View Church, which, is, which used to be Midway Baptist Church, was started by a family moving from Texas in 1947 or thereabouts, moving from Texas to Imperial Beach. And when they got here, they sold their car so they could buy enough scrap lumber to build a building and put on a piece of property, on a small piece of property. Uh, I was talking to the founding pastor many years ago now, um, and, and I found out that Bill, the lots around where the, where the old Midway Church was, was, they came through with some kind of a renovation of the IB or whatever, and they were selling lots for $50 each. $50 each. I told, and it was B.B. Garrison, I said, Brother Garrison, why didn't you buy a whole bunch of them? He said, so who had 50 bucks? And nobody had 50 bucks back then. So they had, a, they had a couple of lots, but that's all they had. 1973, my wife and I piled into a 24-foot U-Haul out of Pueblo, Colorado. Pueblo, you guys are in Colorado Springs. Out of Pueblo, Colorado with our two-year-old daughter and headed west. And we got to uh, Imperial Beach 
Uh, and uh, we were in our mid-20s. Shannon was two years old. In 1975, after we'd been here about a year and two, three months, we bought property. In uh, 1976, we began building. Uh, and just about every Sunday, we, in fact, we went for a long stretch of many years where we baptized every single Sunday. And when I get through baptizing, baptistry was up in the back, and there were windows out the back here. And I would look out on properties on both sides of us and behind us. And I would pray, God, give us that property. God, please give us that property. And you know what? God gave us acres, many, many acres of property. Mike, you remember all that. Uh, gave us many, many choice acres uh, overlooking the bay, the, uh, overlooking Tijuana to the south, overlooking San Diego to the north. And, and, and since then, he's given us more and more land and more and more buildings. And, and, and I wondered to myself, how could an ordinary group of people, just a handful of people, when we went, Bill, when we went down to the bank to try to, to buy that property, and uh, I said, I need a loan to buy some property. And they said, well, how much money do you have in your building fund? And I was 27, 28 years old. I'm going like, building fund? Do we have one of those building fund things? We didn't have a building fund. You know what God did? God sent a realtor to our church who joined. His wife was a banker. She was a bank vice president of an independent bank because the other banks wouldn't even talk to us unless we had a building fund. And, and so uh, he's the one who sold our properties and bought the other property. He's the one, and then she's the one who, who got through that independent bank a loan for us to be able to buy the property. You know what? 68 years of walking by faith. And, and what can I say after 68 years of walking by faith? I heartily recommend it. It sure beats walking by yourself and by sight and by what you can do because God can do so much more than we can ever think or imagine. The second point is this. Faith requires vision. Faith requires vision. Jesus was a visionary. Listen to this. He saw the work that needed to be done. He said, lift up your eyes. The fields are white unto harvest. And you uh, from agricultural backgrounds, somehow this would resonate with you. Uh, somehow the, the, when the grain was ripe, it would, it would be a different hue, a different color completely than when it was first budding and so on. And he said, the fields are white unto harvest. They are ready. They are ready to be picked. Right now is a critical time because if we don't get them brought in now, then the rain may come. The snow may come. For those of you that are native Californians, snow is something that's white and cold and falls in other places, other parts of the country. And, and if we don't get out, it's going to be lost. So the harvest is necessary to get in right now. The fields are wide in the harvest. And he knew the key of how to do it. He said, if you have faith the size of a, 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 a mountain, right? No. He said, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. You ever planted mustard seed? You know what? I, my mom used to plant a garden, and I'd help her. And, and I'm going to tell you, I had trouble with mustard seed because it was so stinking little. It was like, what do you do? You know, how do you put a little seed? I mean, you could just barely pick it up with your finger. So and you had to kind of shake them out, and I'd shake it shake it out of the package, and then a whole bunch of them would fall in at one time. And then we'd have to thin them out, and you couldn't. So, so a little bitty grain of mustard seed. If you have faith, Jesus said, the size of a mustard seed, you can move this Mountain, and he was referring to an actual literal mountain. If you have that much faith, this much, you can move that big mountain. His vision was global. He said, Go into all the world and make disciples. Start right here in Jerusalem, and then go into Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. And the Simmons know about that. 
Joseph uh, was an Old Testament type of Christ, and he was a visionary and a literal dreamer. Uh, a lot of people in the Bible had dreams, but Joseph was, was known as a dreamer. And one night, uh, Joseph had a dream, and when he had told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. He said, listen to my dream. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. And he, he didn't stop dreaming. He wasn't intimidated out of dreaming big. Uh, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. They said, we don't want to hear it. That's not in the word of God, but I'm sure it was in their brains. And he said, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down before me. And this time he told the dream to his father, the Bible says, as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come out and bow to the ground before you? This is the baby brother, okay? This is the youngest one of the family. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, listen to this, his father wondered what these dreams meant. And in Genesis 37, 17, when his brothers were out taking care of sheep and so on, and they saw him coming, they said, look, this dreamer is coming. This dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer. Now, did what he dreamed happen immediately? No. Because his brothers, out of hatred, took him and put him in a pit. We're going to kill him. Then they decided, no, we won't kill him. Here's a caravan coming through. Tell you what, we'll sell him as a slave. We'll take that coat of many colors that daddy gave him which really ticked them off even more. So we'll take that coat, we'll dip it in some blood, but we'll see. We don't know what happened to him. Maybe a wild animal got him, I don't know. And, and so, uh, so his father lamented. The brothers were, you know, had, this, had this guilt about it. They, they, they had betrayed their own brother. They'd sold him as a slave. He went into Potiphar's house. He rose to the, you know the story. His, he was accused. He was, he was uh, his, Potiphar's wife tried to, to seduce him. He wouldn't do that. He, he left his cloak there. Everywhere I go, this guy's got trouble with his clothes. You know, talk about wardrobe malfunctions. His coat of many colors got him in trouble, and he leaves his vest or whatever it is there in Potiphar's house. She says, he came and tried to, you know, and so they threw him in jail. So he's in jail now. This, we're, talking to, we're talking a few years, and, and then in jail, he rises up to position of trustee, uh, and um, then people start telling him, they tell him their dreams and want him to interpret them, and then finally, He's second in command. And you know the outcome of the story. His father, his mother, his brothers all come and bow before him. It didn't happen immediately. The people scoffed at him. But did Joseph quit dreaming? I don't think so. So here's a couple of questions for you. First of all, could First Baptist Church win Coronado to Christ? Genuine question. Could First Baptist Church make a huge difference in the island of Coronado for the cause of Christ? Thank you. Well, we don't have any parking. Well, we're in the middle of a residential area. Well, we're going to seat about 100 in here. They all show up at one minute till 10. You give, you're going to give a preacher a heart attack. You know that. You are absolutely going to put him in a grave is what you're going to do. Could first Baptist, you know what? God's not limited. God's got, he owns the island, right? He owns every bit of it. He owns the strand. He owns IB. He owns, you know, I mean, it's all his. It all belongs to him. 
Could the Lord win your loved one to Christ? Your child that's away from God? Yes. Your mom or dad that's not a Christian yet? Yes. Your neighbor, your friend? Can you dream? Will you dream big dreams for God? There's no telling what God has in mind for you. Some of you, God's going to put his hand on your life, and some of you are going to wind up being in ministry full-time, full-time, because you dream big dreams, and you are willing to act on it, and faith requires action. Every church needs big dreamers. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Solomon told us, and, and what that really means is visionaries, where there are no visionaries, the church stagnates and dies, and so there's some things that we all can do. Even if you're not a big dreamer, here's some things you can do. First of all, I'm going to challenge you to dream, but it, until you get to the point where you dream big for God, you can pray. You have not because you what? Because you ask not, James said, chapter 4, verse 2. You have not because you ask not. Something you need, something you want, something, something, then you need to be asking God for it. Dwight Moody said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man who is totally sold out to him. Still waiting for that time. We can pray. Secondly, we can listen to visionary people. There are people who light my fire. Are there people who light your fire spiritually? And there are people, Mike, who throw water on our wood, Right? But God can burn wet wood. So, you know what? Don't be around those. I always tell people, there, there, are, there are zappers and there are sappers. Now, zappers are people, you know, when you walk across the room and the humidity is low, not like it's been lately, and you, you touch someone, you reach out, shake their hands, and you go, you kind of zap each other. There are people who zap me and get me going. And, and, and then there are people who are sappers. They will absolutely drain you dry. They will, it's, like a, it's like your car has this, has this somewhere there's a, a, a short you know, and, and your battery every three days goes dead because something is draining it constantly. Well, don't hang around sappers. Hang around zappers. We can pray. We can listen to visionary people. We can attend conferences that lift our vision, whether it's Saddleback or C3 or Southern, Southern Baptist deals or whatever it is. Um, iron sharpens iron, right? Iron sharpens iron. Number four, we can visit churches where people walk by faith. When Pat and I would go to, uh, on vacation, go to different places. By the way, do not go other places when, uh, on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Be right here. Okay. But anyhow, when, when you're on vacation, it's okay. Go somewhere else. And, and so we would go, we, we, we visited places like Los Gatos Christian Church, Charles Swindoll's Church back in the day, Calvary Chapel in Santa Ana, Thomas Road Baptist Church in, in, in Virginia, Lynchburg, Virginia, First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana. I would find churches, a big church in Phoenix, whatever it was. I can't remember now the guy's name, but I would try to, I'd find out where people were doing something that I thought would doing something big for God. And I I would go there because I wanted to find out. I wanted to, I wanted to have that fire. I wanted to have that zap that I needed to go to the next level. Uh, so we can, we can pray. We can listen to visionary people. We can attend conferences. We can visit churches that have it going on. We should have brainstorming sessions and, and, and spiritual times. No idea is too crazy. Dream big, and we can all seek God's guidance. We absolutely have to seek God's guidance. Number three, faith requires courage. Faith requires courage. Where's that place in East County where people get out on a, it's called potato chip something or other? Huh? Is that, now I've never been there, but the pictures freak me out. Is it, is it like a long way down? 
and people get on. So it takes a certain amount of faith. I told you, my son on my 60th birthday came. I said, Dad, I want to take you somewhere. Be ready. Wear some casual clothes. So we go. And so he, was ta- he took me skydiving. <laughs> took me skydiving. Didn't ask me. Took me skydiving. So, you know, we're at like this rickety old plane. You know, I actually figured I think I'd be safer outside of the plane than inside of the plane. And so we get at 10,000 feet up over San Diego, and we go sit on the door of the plane, and it's amazing how hard it is to fall forward. <laughs> and, 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 and you just peel out of that airplane. It takes a little faith to do stupid things like that. <laughs> faith requires courage. Just catching a vision is not enough. It requires action. If you're just at the drawing board, just at the drawing table and getting these great ideas but never act on them, it's not going to do anything. People are afraid. A lot of people are afraid to do anything for God or try anything for God. They're afraid they may fail. Let me tell you something. If you try great things for God, you will fail. Just deal with it. We're human beings. We're going to fail. But if you don't try anything, you're going to fail for sure. We need to do something rather than sit around and be afraid of criticism and the what-ifs. Sometimes members complain because the pastor just tries new things and different things and fresh things. And, and the fact of the matter is I don't want the same old, same old all the time. I don't eat the same thing every day. Do you? I don't eat the same thing every meal. I don't wear the same clothes every day. I, I don't have the same routine. I, I, I do have routines, but I don't have the same one every single day. They vary depending on the day. That would be boring. Remember this, a rut is simply a grave with both ends knocked out, all right? So don't, don't, don't die before you're dead. Is that fair enough? Don't die before you're dead. A, a new pastor will come in with some new ideas. He may want to do some things a little bit differently. And, and again, I told you last week, the seven last words of the church, is, we've never done it that way before. Don't be saying that. Now, I'm, if he takes you off into some weird, I just saw a video this morning about some guy who claims to be Jesus Christ in the flesh, 60-year-old guy. He's preaching, got groups going all over the country and all around the world, uh, and, uh, you know, wears these cool sunglasses, and uh, eh, stay away from that. You know, okay, that's too new. Okay, that's too weird. Uh, when Christ comes back, it's going to be a trumpet and a shout of the voice of Archangel, and, and we're going to leave. So, you know, he's not going to come back down until we are gone, and we will go with him, and then he'll come back for the millennial reign. But, uh, but uh, otherwise, be willing to try some Give the guy, give the, your pastor, whoever comes, uh, the liberty to do some things differently. Remember Joshua and Caleb? Remember the spies that went into the country? Joshua and Caleb were two of them. They went into the country, spied out. They came back. Joshua and Caleb said, man, let's go. This place, you you won't believe the grapes in this land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's go. Let's go. Come on today. And the other ten said, are you kidding me? We're like grasshoppers next to them. They're giants in the land. Those people, they've got iron chariots. There's no way we can do that. And, and, and so Joshua came and said, no, we want action. Let's go. We, let's, we, we don't just dream about it. Let's go get it. And the other ten said, no, we can't. Do you remember the names of the other ten spies? Yeah, me neither. Nobody does. The New Testament says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead faith. That's not the kind of saving faith. Saving faith has action. So what are you going to do or what will you trust God for 
this week. I mean, folks, this is not just for calling down fire from heaven. It's not just for walking through the, the, the Red Sea on dry ground. It's not just for Old Testament prophets or even Jesus Christ when he was on the earth or even the Apostle Peter and healing people. This is for you. Amen. Walk by faith. What are you going to do for God this week? What are you going to trust God to do? You're going to plant some seed for him? Tell someone about Christ? What, what is it you're going to do? Number four, visionaries versus administrators. Visionaries versus administrators. Most boards, not this board, not this leadership team you have here, but most boards have two types of members. Either, well, they don't have the administrators. They have the visionaries, and I thank God for that, but most of them have visionaries or administrators. The, the, the administrator is practical, organized, and thorough, solid, dependable. The visionary has fresh ideas, idealistic, upbeat, positive, strong faith in God, constantly stretching others. The other is very practical. These two often clash. The visionary will say, have faith, let's do it. And the administrator will say, how much is it going to cost? <laughs> and particularly, how much is it going to cost me? Well, the fact is, both are necessary. But when you have only one kind of leadership on the board, only one kind, you can get out of balance in a hurry. Number five, the benefits of walking by faith. They're unlimited, actually. The benefits of walking by faith. It generates enthusiasm. Our hearts beat faster when we realize that God can do anything through Jesus Christ, his son. Everyone wants to be a part of something that is going somewhere, that's accomplishing something. Gary Collins years ago wrote uh, in Built to Last about, uh, about having what he called BHAGs, BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. In your business, in your family, in your personal life, in your church, have big, hairy, audacious goals. It generates enthusiasm. It stimulates prayer. Jesus said, because of your unbelief, verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you say this mountain, remove hence to the other place, it will be removed. Nothing shall be impossible to you. If your goal is to move a molehill, you won't need God. All you need is a shovel. But if your goal is to move a mountain, you're going to need to pray. Because this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. We can't do it ourselves. It also motivates sacrifice. People respond to a, an inspiring challenge. I don't know how many of you remember the specifics and the particulars about right after 9-11. But a lot of people went out and enlisted right after, probably some in this room right now, that enlisted as a result of 9-11 here in our nation. God's work takes time and money, takes sacrifice. It produces harmony. So, someone told me years ago that hunting dogs in a cage will fight each other. They'll get into fights. Our, we, have two little, we have two little dogs. One of them is perfect. The other one is demon-possessed. Perfect one is mine. The demon-possessed one is my wife's. And every once in a while, I think two or three times since we've had them, they're both little bitty dogs, but two or three times since I've had them, they have gotten into horrible fights. I mean, you know, snarling, barking, biting, fur flying, hair pulling, tail biting type of fights. I mean, just crazy. And, and, and hunting dogs caged up will do that a lot. They get into it. But when you set them loose and they're on the trail of some game, they will work together. And I figure hunting dogs and Baptists are a whole lot alike. If it's just me, myself, and I, or just us, 
and we're not, and, and we're all happy with what we have right here and what we're doing right here right now, then, then there's these little things that happen in churches. But man, once we get a vision that the world's going to hell, people are dying. While we're talking, people are dying. People that you love, people you know are dying. When we get a hold of that idea, it'll produce some harmony and we can walk together and do something for God. So do you have vision? Do you have faith? Do you have faith with action? Do you dream? Do you have any dreams about this church? Do you have any dreams about your church? Church God has planted you in. Or is it just routine? Do you act on that vision? Do you have courage of conviction? How big is your God? What are you going to do for him this week that's going to require him helping you accomplish it? Would you bow your heads and think about that for a minute? Every head bowed. What are you going to do this week? What are we going to do? What dream can God give to us this week that requires him being active in it or it's not going to work? With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would start a fire in the hearts of every one of your children here today. I pray you would inspire us through your word. You would motivate us by your spirit. You would fill us to do good and godly things. I pray, God, that you would be with the leadership team here, with the pulpit team that will be assembled along with the leadership team. I pray, God, that you would give us a heart to have a big vision for what you can do on this island through this church. I pray now even for the man that you're going to call to be the pastor of this church. I pray that you would be preparing him. pray that you'd be preparing the people's heart here for him. I pray, God, that your perfect will would be done in all of this. And I pray right now for this congregation, for anyone who might be here, who, if they were honest, would say, Pastor, I don't know that Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I don't know if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. With every head bowed, every eye closed, to you I speak for just a moment. You sit in the chairs. You're in about ready to be dismissed. We're going to have communion. Then you'll be dismissed. You'll go about your activities of the day. But do you know Christ is your Savior? Do you know that if you did walk out here and get hit by a car and your life was ended on this earth, do you know where you would be for eternity? Because the Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. You can know it right now. And if you're not sure, then I challenge you in your own heart right now to pray to God and pray something like this. Dear God, I confess to you I am a sinner. I know that I failed. I've fallen so far short so many times. I know that Jesus Christ is your son. He died for me on the cross. And I want to trust him right now to be my God and my Savior, my Lord and my Master. So Father, please make me part of your family right now. Please forgive me my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness and make me your son or your daughter. I pray in Jesus' name with every head still bowed for another moment.
if you just now prayed that prayer and you were sincere, would you slip your hand up? No one's looking around but myself, and I won't embarrass you. Just slip your hand up. Pastor, I just prayed that prayer, and I meant it with all my heart. Hold it up real high. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Our Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that your word is powerful. It's alive. It still accomplishes its purpose. It doesn't return unto you empty or void. And Father, for this one who's professed faith in Christ right now, I thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would lead in this person's life from this day forward. Show them this is the beginning. It's not the end. It's only the beginning. You've got so much in mind for them, for that person. Father, bless us and help us now to prepare our hearts for the communion that will follow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.